0: Good morning, DJ and PK in the morning here on the Zone Sports Network getting going here on a Thursday. Of course, it is April Fool's. We will try to have a little bit of fun with you later on on today's show. PK promises a special announcement with regards to DJ that we'll get to here in just a little bit. My name is Jay catch You guys know me as Yawk. I am the executive producer of this fine program, but filling in here in this first little bit of the 6 a.m. hour. Uh, PK will join us here shortly. A lot to get to ahead on today's show. Obviously, the Utah Jazz winning in Memphis last night without Donovan Mitchell. We'll talk about that. You'll hear from the Jazz after that win and the best of the Jazz post-game show later on in this hour. We'll also talk some Utah basketball. New University of Utah men's basketball coach Craig Smith joined PK and Gordon Monson yesterday. What we'll you hear those comments? He was in the show late yesterday. You those of you that are up early will probably want to hear his comments, his enthusiasm for the job, his ambitions of really getting Getting Utah back to being what they were in the heyday with Rick Majerus. We'll get to those in the next segment, but let's start off with some quick thoughts here on the Utah Jazz. They make it seven straight wins with a 111-107 victory over the Memphis Grizzlies there in Memphis, Tennessee. Really impressed with Mike Conley going back home. The franchise, he was a star for four for more than a decade. 26 points and seven assists. 13 points in the fourth quarter to really seal up the win for the Utah Jazz really liked seeing him back in action. Also good to see Jordan Clarkson break out of a little bit of a scoring funk. He did go 8 of 22 shooting, but tallied 24 points. Boyan Bogdanovich, 6 of 17 shooting for 23 points. Both guys who had struggled to score the basketball, good to see them have an opportunity without Donovan Mitchell in the lineup to score a little bit more. Rudy Gobert, a little bit quieter of a night, though. 8 points, 12 rebounds. Also had 4 assists, though. A notable number there for Rudy Gobert, but overall, just the is a fantastic win for the Utah Jazz. They've won seven straight here. They maintain their position atop the Western Conference standings at 36 and 11. I think they have a really, really good road record this year at 16-9. and nine, If you're seven games over 500 on the road, you're doing something right in the NBA. Uh, many of you probably can harken back to eras when the Utah Jazz were 500 of the very best in a good season on the road, and now they're f- seven games over 500 on the road this season so far. Just a great, great win if you're a Utah Jazz fan. We'll talk more about this throughout the morning. We're going to be joined by Joe Ingles, or scheduled to be joined by Joe Ingles later on this morning as well as Craig Bullerjack in their weekly appearances here on The Zone. We'll get to all of that here in just a little bit, but coming up next, going to talk University of Utah men's basketball. Craig Smith, like I mentioned, joined PK and Gordon Monson late in yesterday's show. We'll let you hear his comments about his new role as the running Utes head man. We'll get to that here momentarily on DJ and PK in the morning
1: right here on The Zone Sports Network.
0: Good morning, DJ and PK in the morning here. I'm Jay Catch, the executive producer of this fine program, carrying you on through the 6 a.m. hour. PK will join us here shortly. But PK had a chance yesterday alongside Gordon Monson, who was co-hosting yesterday's show, to talk with Craig Smith, the new men's basketball coach at the University of Utah. Had some great thoughts on what he expects to do as the new head man in charge of the running Utes. Without further ado, here you go. Craig Smith with PK and Gordon Monson yesterday right here on the Zone Sports Network.
2: Craig, uh, you're back with us. So you're talking a couple of OGs. I mean, we've been in this market since the early 90s. I used to work for the Tribune, and my first assignment was University of, Men, University of Utah Men's Basketball. So I was there on a day-to-day basis in the 90s, and you talk about I listened to your uh, press conference on Saturday. That thing was packed, and it was a place to be. Majors had it going on. The it just in, in my mind, I, I don't think it's going to take much. It's going to take work, but I believe that there is a fan base there that will flock to the program, not if, but when you start winning. How much of that did you know as far as the history and was enticing to you as one of the reasons you took the job? Oh, it's a huge reason.
3: Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a history guy, I, I pay a lot of attention to tradition. And, and, you know, coming up through the ranks, I've worked, uh, I've worked at places where there's not much tradition and, and the fan base can be, you know, apathetic. And then I've, I've worked at a few places where there's a rich tradition and, and the fan base is just craving a winner. And it's my job as the head coach to go out and create a brand of basketball that is exciting Right, it's uh, that has high-level players, um, and, and and good quality. Right, meaning you know, playing a Gator style where we're going to play super hard, be the first on the floor, right, make all the tough guy plays, but yet have efficient offense and fluid offense in a style and a brand that's enjoyable to watch the last five years that i've been a head coach we've been in the top 20 in assists in the country including last year at utah state we were in number nine and so uh i think you know this state right our fan base is incredibly knowledgeable they understand great basketball and it's been proven time and time again and when i was a young coach i think i was 24 25 i was at my second final four uh went to my first national championship game well guess who that was utah against kentucky And I just, I was, of course, I was a young coach. I had nosebleed seats, uh, but I was happy to be there. And after the game, the side I was sitting on is the side that the University of Utah walked off the floor. And of course, everybody was dejected, but it just hit me like, this is how you build a team, right? The way they had that team built. And, of course, they had great coaching with Coach majeris But I know that really good players make coaches look really, really smart. And and it was a defining moment in my life. And I said, this is what I want to do. And, you know, I worked at every level. Um, quite a few years ago, I coached in the NAI National Championship game. And, um, and now we want to experience that at this level and get – Ute basketball, we back where it belongs.
4: Craig, one thing that you said at your opening press conference there that really stood out to me was when you were asked about the strengthening the schedule and obviously the Utes play in the Pac-12, and that's all good. But you seem to be enthusiastic about adding quality opponents from start to finish, or I don't know, every game, but a, a lot of games that way. And it reminded me of what Denny Crum used to do at Louisville back, way back in the day when he used to play all kinds of tough teams, and his team might lose early on, but he thought it helped prepare them for the postseason. Is that is that kind of what's in your head? Yeah, uh, I'm a huge believer, and bring
3: on the competition. Like I, I just firmly believe to be the best, you got to play the best and beat the best. And when you play high-level competition and non-conference play, like you get a taste of what league play is going to be like. You get a true taste of what your team is, right, and how we can grow and develop and get better. And so, and then, and then the NCAA tournament committee has made it very very clear right what you need to do and so I like to tell a story our first year you know when we first got hired at Utah State we were projected to be number nine in the conference and we had a mass exodus of players I mean Kobe McEwen left he was a second team all league guy We we had I don't know five six guys leave and that was what three four years ago where still people left but not maybe as prevalent as it is this year and so but I didn't care so we were playing in an MPE in Las Vegas. Arizona State was in it, Mississippi State, St. Mary's, and Utah State. We were kind of a, <laughs> that other team, right, where people thought, well, at least we'll get one win. And the tournament organizers said, hey, we got a lower-level tournament we can put you in. I said, no, like we want to play the best. And and we stayed in it, and we, you know, we lost a tight game in Arizona State. We beat St. Mary's handily. So I think it's so important to get your net ranking where it needs to be, to get your strength to schedule where it needs to be. In our last three years at Utah State, our lowest net ranking in those three years was 42. And so uh, we value that, we crave that, and that will be something we bring to the University of Utah.
2: Greg Smith joining us, new hoops coach at Utah. So uh, in conversations that I've had with folks uh, as far as what was leading up to the situation, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Coach, but it seemed like uh, there was some indication uh, earlier on Friday that it wasn't going to be uh, a marriage between you and the Utes, and then later on in the, into the evening, obviously you ended up taking the job. I don't know how much you want to disclose, but what was uh, the differences? What were they going on? Going, what was going on there that maybe some people had the impression earlier in the day you weren't going to take the job, and then obviously you end up taking it.
3: Uh, well, I'm not sure, I guess in terms of impressions or anything like that obviously things happen quick and and I'm hearing and it's a it's the life comes at you fast that's that's yeah. for sure and so um, it, you know just going through that whole thing uh, and getting to know mark and and doing my research you know mark just like they do research on their potential candidates I just his vision for running youth basketball really aligned with but I believe uh, it takes to, to run a successful program in every way, shape, and form, whether it's recruiting, your style, uh, connectivity to the community, and and the players that have led the way, and the, and the former coaches, and so and I could go on and on, but uh, it just uh, our visions are aligned, uh, and, and of course we're doing our best to build a team for this year to be competitive, but also build a program for the long haul and um you know it's been a whirlwind over the last what 72 hours or i guess maybe a little bit more than that now and uh and it's been fast and furious with with the transfer portal recruiting guys obviously trying to build a staff and and doing whatever
4: i can to promote um this unbelievable program you mentioned craig the transfer portal there (laughs) Larry had difficulty, and maybe a lot of coaches have difficulty these days, keeping players in the program. Uh, Some of the players who have indicated maybe they'll leave Utah, maybe they'll stay uncertain at this point. One, are you going to have a good shot at keeping some of those players in the program? And secondly, uh, what's your philosophy about that? Uh, What can be done to, to, to keep the major players that you're looking for over the next number of years?
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, the transfer portal is, you know, transferring is uh, a part of our game now, right? Whether it's football, basketball, um, and it has been for the last, I don't know, three to five years. You know, the last few years, you know, I think last year, around um, 1,000 student-athletes went in the portal, which if you equate that out, that's roughly, on average, three men's basketball players transfer out of their program per year. That's just the average, And so it's a big part of the game. And, you know, us philosophically, you know, well, going back, first of all, we've been very fortunate at Utah State and at University of South Dakota not to have too many um, guys leave our program. Uh, And I think that's an indication of how we do things. I think it's an indication of building trust, having a plan in place, when we bring these guys in to to grow their game, how they're going to fit into our program. You know, looking at our depth chart closely, I'm not big into recruiting guys and selling them sunshine. right? I want them to know exactly what they're getting into from a culture standpoint, from a a community standpoint. Like, you know, not everybody's going to thrive in Salt Lake City. But some people are going to have tremendous growth in development in Salt Lake City and in our program. So beauty's in the eyes of the beholder. So I think having great relationships with your players, having a plan, holding them accountable, and then utilizing the portal in the right way in terms of recruiting. Right? It's almost like, in a weird way, it's kind of like NBA free agency. Right? Like, oh, we got a need right here. We need to get more experience, more of a veteran guy than maybe a high school kid can do. So. We've had success all the way around. Predominantly, we recruit high school kids, but we've had very good success with transfers and with a few junior college kids, too. So you just got to look under rocks, find the right people, and then utilize that um, to our program's advantage that way. You know, this year, it's hard. It's hard for those players from last year's team that are in the program. They don't know me. Right? They don't know any of our staff that we'll hire. Well, they could, I guess, but you never know. Um, and so it's hard. you got to build a lot of trust in a short amount of time. And, but we've been down this road before. So almost three years ago to the day, Uh, You know, I got hired at Utah State, and all these guys are looking at me because I'm, you know, I like to talk, and I'm kind of boisterous and like, this guy's crazy. (laughs) But you sit down with them, and like I said, a few leave. A guy like Sam Merrill, who was recruited by Duke and you name it, said, I am staying, and we are going to build this thing, and we're going to get Aggie basketball back where it belongs. And fortunately, us, we had three amazing years.
2: For sure you did. There's no question about that. Your record speaks for itself. Craig Smith, new Utah basketball coach joining us. You speak of your staff. I don't know what you're able to say right now. There's been a couple of reports of Slocum coming back, Peterson coming with you. You've got two guys on the who are on Larry's staff who have sons on the team, Martinez and Jones. Uh, I, I would think there would be a possibility of those guys leaving if you did not retain them. What can you say about all that situation?
3: I can't comment specifically yet, um, but you guys do your homework. And so, uh, you know, I'm ex- I'm really excited to build our staff. Obviously, you know, we're going to do this thing right. And we're looking for coaches that are, are very well-rounded. they got to be able to recruit. Recruiting is your lifeline. We all know that. I alluded to it earlier. You know, really good players make coaches look really smart. And we have a, a tremendous job as a coach to put players in the right place help them grow their game and teach and develop and do all that. Uh, But those guys are out there making the plays, right? They're the ones making the threes. They're the ones that have to box out. They're the ones that have to sprint the floor. They're the ones that have to communicate while they're on the floor. And so you better find the right guys. You know, we look for guys that have character, toughness, guys that know how to play, guys that are gym rats. And I could go on and on, but the the coaches, you know, we're going to find guys that have strengths recruiting in various parts of the country. We got to have a great presence on the West coast. Obviously have to have a great presence in Utah and, and get the best players in the state. And so, uh, and then I want guys that can really coach and have high energy and have great character and take the role personally on, helping young men, 18 year old men develop into men when they leave this program. And, you know, we're not going to settle for second best and we're going to go out and quality high, high character um, coaches to come in here. Cause this place is literally incredible. The resources that we have and the things that we can so quote unquote showcase, you know, there's nothing we don't have. So now we just got to go to work and get the guys in the program that want to make it happen. You know, So we're slowly building this thing with our coaching staff. Um, um, But I feel a lot more, you know, I think by the end of next
4: week, we'll have a lot more pieces in place. Okay. So, Craig, uh, a two-part question for you. The first one is you've already covered a lot of this, but if you were going to circle the number one priority for you at Utah to make that program successful, what would it be? Because you've you've had success everywhere you've gone, and some of these places you've been, no offense to you, but – A lot of people haven't heard of some of those places. And yet you've been able to to climb through this thing. So what is the number one thing you want at Utah? And my second part of the question is, how in the world did you put up with Scotty Gerard up there at Utah State for three years?
3: Scotty's such a pain in the you-know-what. He sent me such a that, that, we had a great connection from the get-go. It might have been our haircuts that we just kind of, <laughs> like, yeah, I'm challenged, you're challenged, uh, let, let's bond. And uh, we had so much fun together on our weekly radio show. And, you know, of course, the pregame shows and uh, and then the postgame shows, we really had fun, especially when, when we won. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's been a a, a wild, what, four days, five days, this is day five, Um And last night, I I finally – I just and I've been thinking about this, but I just haven't been able to put some things into words, you know, to thank the Aggie community and our time at Utah State. And there's just a bunch of memories that come back. And one of the memories that came flooding back to me was my time with Scotty. Like, I literally look forward to that radio show every Monday. And I love – one of my favorite things, and I can't tell you the number of emails uh, that I've had, especially since – I've left. Uh, They're not all negative, but uh, where I'm going to miss the post game radio shows uh, on their drive home. And like, I, I literally couldn't wait to do those. And fortunately won a lot of games. So it made it a lot more enjoyable, you know, I don't know if I can pinpoint one. I mean, in the in the immediate, like I obviously we have to get our staff together, but we have to build great relationships with our current players. And re- relationships don't happen just by snapping your finger. Um, it's hard. You're you're, you're you're showing them or trying to explain to them what we've always done, and they're kind of looking at you like, "Why should I believe you?" And I get what they're saying <laughs> because I've been down this road everywhere I've been, uh, taking over a program that has struggled a little bit under 500, sometimes well below 500, and, and flip it around. So um, uh, recruiting is obviously just humongous uh, in the short term and in the long term, and not just recruiting talent. you just, you got to get the right guys. You know, the movie Miracle with Herb Brooks, right? And, and Herbrook says to Craig, the assistant, we're not looking for the best ones, we're looking for the right ones. And, and it's a fine line. In building your team, we have a formula for building our team and what we look for. And we got some work to do in that area. And then lastly, and this certainly is at least, I view this as one of my the top priorities, is to generate enthusiasm, show our fan base what we're going to do. We have such knowledgeable fans that our fans will appreciate playing the game the right way, playing unselfish, playing together, having connectivity with the community, and get people excited to support it. And and when you have a great home court advantage, that directly impacts winning. And I know we're going to build that up and make this place an incredibly difficult place to play.
2: So, Craig, I don't know if this happened. You can answer this. Riley Batten decided he was going to come back after putting his name in the portal. So I want to know, did you, have, did you already re-recruit him? And what do you think about Allen? Because if you want to be successful next season, obviously getting Allen back in the program uh, would go a long way to, towards that. I mean, are you, how are you re-recruiting him? And if, did you re-recruit already Batten? Well,
3: you you know that's a great question, and, and certainly I've met with with uh, every, almost every player. I got like two guys left today, um, but I had great talks with a lot of guys, and you know, and you just sell your vision, so to speak. But you know, that's I think a big part of retaining of retention and having that plan. And you're always recruiting the guys in your program, and you know, I always say you're always recruiting, but that that's relationships and communication. And this is what you got to do to get on the floor. And these are the things you got to do. So, yeah, uh, I mean, I had a great meeting with Riley yesterday. And, and uh, he was on the practice floor. And, and he looked really, really good. I mean, tremendous energy, shot it really well, has a great voice and a big motor. And does he got to get better? Yeah. But he knows that. And, you know, with the rest of the guys, you're just, you're communicating your vision, what you need to do. But the bottom line is, guys, if guys don't want to be here and they're not bought in to what running youth basketball is, if they're not bought in to how we're going to do things and play, then then we wish them the best of luck elsewhere because we have so many great things going on here and we're not going to settle for second best, you know? So, you know, it's like, uh, right? Try, you build trust. Trust is like pregnancy. Either you're pregnant or you're not. You either trust somebody or you don't. Right? There's no, you know, there's no in between that way. So, we're, we're, we're working hard that way, trying to show our vision of what we do. I thought it was great to be back on the floor, getting to see what these guys can do on the floor and start somewhat implementing you know, what we like to do. So we're big into skill development, and it was nice to see some of the things that we could do at this point.
4: Craig, you said you don't want to settle for second best. The Utes have never won the Pac-12 title. Obviously, you want to win. I get that. But is that your expe- expectation, to do to go to a place that the Utes haven't gone over the past decade? Absolutely. Our goal every
3: year is to get, get to the – well, and they've been to the NCAA tournament, uh, had a Sweet 16 run, you know, uh, did that whole deal. And and that's our goal every year. We said the same thing at Utah State. Send the – said the same thing at south dakota said the same thing at mayville you know mayville took over a program and most people have never heard of mayville uh and i understand that but they had won one game in our first year we get to the year before we got hired they won one game our first year goes to the national tournament the second year win 27 games go to the lead eight third year playing the national championship south dakota year three um win the regular season championship year four uh, win 26 games, which is the most in the history of South Dakota in Division One, second most in, in the history of the school. And then Utah State, you know, first year, projected ninth. We win the regular season title, win the conference tournament championship, go to the NCAA tournament, finish the regular season, 25th in the country. And then we go to three straight NCAA tournaments. And you know what? It's always a joke when you talk about it until you do it. And I don't know what the future holds, but I know what our standards are. And I know what our expectations are. And is it going to take a lot of work? You're dang right it is. Is it going to take a major commitment to make this happen from our administrators, administration, our coaching staff, and our players? Yeah, but that's why we're here. And I've never understood the logic of, you know, not doing everything you can to be the best. And I've never understood the the logic of not putting high expectations on yourself because, you know what, it's a funny thing in life. Uh, when you do that often that when you don't accept anything but the best very often that's what you get
2: I think Before I let you sense. go Did you write that down yeah that was that was that was deep there, there's no question I, I can remember when Utah was in the first conference tournament I'm down in Vegas first conference tournament in the pac 12 I should say I was there for since 93 with the uh, in the mountain West and WAC. but the first conference tournament in the Pac-12. Obviously, uh, Larry had a massive rebuilding job in that first year. I'm yeah, in the MGM, did. I'm in the media room, and I'm talking to Pac-12 people, and they tell me, yeah, we're very much worried about Utah because we know they're going to come back because they have an incredible fan base. This fan base is incredible. I saw it firsthand traveling with them on the road all those years. The Final Four, I was there in the Alamo Dome, also at San Antonio. I know of what you speak. So, the fan base, they want to love this Program Just as recently as yesterday, two guys I ran into in their 70s, and they wanted to talk to me about Utah basketball. So they want to come back. As far as you, winning will bring them back, but you can't win until uh, next fall at the earliest, obviously. What are you going to do in the meantime to get that fan base back into that Huntsman Center? Because I know and you know that they're there.
3: Well, I'm going to do everything. Me Personally... I'm going to do everything I can in terms of you know, interviews, getting myself to service clubs and meet, just touch the senses of as many people as I can and get them excited, right, and, and, and show our passion and our energy. Uh, and I'll do the same with our coaching staff. And obviously I want our, our uh, players out in the community as much as possible. It's, it's a tougher time now in that respect with COVID and all that that entails. And, of course, now we're heading into summer, so it's harder for our, for our student-athletes that way. But, you know, like we told our guys when we got hired at Utah State, and I told our guys on Saturday when, when I met with the team, like winning is important to create excitement. No question. We all know that. Uh, but I also think that because of the knowledge of our fan base and our passion of our fan base, they understand quality basketball. Like they understand an exciting brand And they'll always respect you if you play the right way, if you play unselfish, if you share the ball, if you move without the ball, if you don't just catch and dribble 15 times before you go make the play. And then if you're going to guard hard and play discipline and play with enthusiasm, passion, and joy. And if you do that, I know our fan base will back them and support them. And, and, and then, and that helps the winning piece. So we already know we got to win that way, but we're going to do everything we can, work our hands to the bone to get out and create enthusiasm and excitement and bring this thing back. And that's what was cool at Utah State. Like our first game, we probably had 5,000 fans, and then the next game we had a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more, and it just kept building every night out. And And then the other piece with that, guys, is scheduling. When you schedule good teams, when you schedule good competition and you bring those teams, right, to our place, like that creates excitement. When you schedule the Utah, you know, the other what, seven division one schools in Utah, I'm a big believer in playing those games. Now obviously you can't play everybody every year, but playing those teams I think matters. And it brings the state together and it just creates that banter and dialogue back and forth. And um, so it's a bit all-encompassing from that respect.
4: Someone was telling us, Craig, that you get, you get a, a bonus if you, uh, depending upon what the attendance is at games, uh, that's what we were told. Uh, and uh, Is that true? I have no idea.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, honestly, I know you're probably thinking, like, there's no way you don't know. I literally, guys, have no idea. I haven't even – I talked to my agent and did that whole thing, they sent the email. I signed it. I didn't even look at it. I trust my agent. I coach because I love to coach. <laughs> now it's easy for me to say. I'm. I know I'm getting paid well. I'm never in my wildest dreams that <laughs> I could I imagine that. I coach. I'm the guy that coached for a thousand dollars a year. I, I grew up with no money, right? I mean, we were <laughs> we were Pell Grant kids and food stamp like you know all that stuff. So I've ne- I've, never, I've always believed money's never made a man rich, and I don't look at. Bonuses. I don't know what my dental dental insurance is or any of that stuff. I love to coach. I'm so pumped to be here. And I will find that out, though, because that would be kind of cool. But I, <laughs> I, I actually have no idea. I literally have no idea. I don't, um, and, and my agent represents some other guys. I haven't watched it. We lost to Texas Tech, and I'm a sore loser now. And I haven't watched one NCAA tournament game since, since we lost to Texas Tech because I'm still – a little PO'd uh, about that now I might watch some of the final four games uh, but we'll see what happens so I'll find that out for you guys and let you know
4: (laughs) I bet your wife
3: knows (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, you might be right about that but I have no idea I haven't shown I got the email with the finalized contract but I, I just haven't looked at it I'm
2: not sure she knows actually Okay. Well, Coach, we wish you nothing but the best of success in resurrecting that program, and thanks for coming on this morning. Hey, thanks for having me on, fellas.
3: Go
0: Utes. There you go, Craig Smith, University of Utah men's basketball coach. Thank him for taking the time. Excited to see how he does leading the running Utes moving forward. We'll get back to the Jazz here in just a moment. Best of the Jazz post-game show, Jake Scott putting a bow on the win for the Utah Jazz over the Memphis Grizzlies. The third time they've beaten the Grizzlies in the past four games. Pretty impressive to beat a team three times in that short of a span. We'll have Jake and the crew wrap it up next right here on the Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. In the morning, here on 97.5 FM, 1280 AM, and the Zone Sports Network, it is time to get to the best of the Jazz post-game show, a staple here on DJ and PK in the early mornings after Jazz games. Jake Scott wrapping it up, letting you hear from players and coaches after the Jazz beat the Memphis Grizzlies, 111 to 107. Take it away, Jake.
5: It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280, the Zone. Jake Scott with you. Jazz beat the Grizzlies last night, 111-107, without Don. Mitchell, who was unavailable due to personal reasons. Uh, Mike Conley led the way, playing against his former team, 26.7 assists, four rebounds uh, for Mike. Hit some big ones in the fourth quarter as well. Uh, Jordan Clarkson had 24 coming in off the bench. Bogdanovich with 23 as uh, the Jazz uh, get some guys step up production in absence uh, of their best offensive player. Of course, uh, two days ago now, uh, as the Jazz were flying out to Memphis, uh, there was was an issue with their plane. Their plane ran into a flock of birds. Uh, there was uh, an explosion. And you'll hear a lot of this described in the postgame sound coming up. Uh, the Jazz, uh, in one of the engines, the Jazz plane then uh, was forced to return back to Salt Lake International Airport. And uh, they landed safely. The players and coaches went home briefly and came back to fly out uh, later that evening. And uh, it really was a, a theme throughout the night. You heard Quinn Snyder talking about it before the game in his pregame evening availability in the mm-hmm. Quinn Snyder Coaches Show as well, and uh, was on top of everybody's mind in the postgame. So you hear a lot of discussion about that, but uh, the Jazz did win. They did beat the Grizzlies, 111-107 for the Grizz. Uh, John Morant uh, had 36 on 11 of 18 shooting. He was incredibly efficient at the line as well, 12 of 15, mm-hmm. but not enough. Jazz come away with the win, their seventh consecutive victory. Let's get to that postgame sound. Let's start things off with Jazz head coach, Quinn Snyder. All
6: right, we'll start with Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV.
7: Hey, Coach, uh, a tough 24 hours, and then you're trying to beat a team three times in a row without Donovan. What impressed you most about how you guys were able to get the win tonight? Well, I think, you know, our whole group showed a lot of grit. Um. You know, Mike Conley was, was terrific um, controlling the game and finding people and, you know, they were real aggressive defensively and he was able to get in the paint. And, you know, Boyan also really settled us, particularly playing out on post and making some shots. But, you know, in the end, um, you know, we got a couple of stops when we needed to and we were able to play through, I, I think, play through adversity, whether um, whatever shape or form, you know, it took.
6: At Anderson, KSLSports.com.
0: Quinn, your team's giving up uh, not very many points. Does it feel like good defensive performances or, or what are you seeing?
7: Well, you know, I, you always, you know, I guess part of being a coach is you, you always want more. Um, but I think we're competing and, you know, there's going to be breakdowns and we're going to talk about them. Um, you know, guys are going to work to improve. But, you know, again, the, the two things for us that that are most important on every possession, you know, is being able to get back. I thought, you know, there were a few times, you know, morantz he's fast. And, you know, it's it's tough to get back at times, but you have to go to the next play. When when we were missing shots for a while there, um, that makes it hard on our defense. Um, I thought we took care of the ball pretty well under the circumstances. And then in the end, you know, being able to rebound is, is, is crucial for us. So I know we take a lot of pride in our defense and, you know, as long as guys just work at it and, and play it collectively, that's, that's what we
6: need. Andy Larson, select Tribune.
0: Uh, Mike's play down the stretch, obviously, kind of without Donovan, uh, he had to step up and then kind of play that key playmaking role. Um, he's that's something he's been comfortable with, and especially in Memphis. But you know, did you have a conversation with him about playing that role tonight, or is
8: it just something he knew he you know had to do?
7: You know, I think Andy, that's one of the things about our team that's a real strength is that um, you know we're able to to play through multiple guys, particularly. Um, Donovan and Mike, and one of them can handle, the other one can uh, be off the ball and vice versa. And, you know, tonight, obviously, you know, Mike, Mike did a heck of a job handling the ball. And I also thought, you know, we played through Boyan late and, you know, he was terrific on the post, and you know, unselfish kicking it out. Uh, but, it, you know, Mike controlled the game, particularly down the stretch. And, you know, the guys on the floor knew that. And, you know, he's capable of doing that as is Donovan. And uh, it's great to have both those guys, you know, be able to play off each other. I think that's something both of them really enjoy.
5: All right, last question, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune.
8: He was. At, I know you talk all the time about you know having multiple options. Having you know, Don in particular likes to talk about how having this many guys who can score makes it difficult for opposing defenses to know where it's coming from. But is it kind of gratifying, I guess, in that respect to see, you know, a night like tonight where Mike carries the load for a time, Boyan carries it for a time, JC even for a little bit, uh, you know, knowing that you can step up in a game where you don't have Don available. (laughs)
7: Well, we've, we've been, you know, down guys at various points this year. And, and that's, you know, that's teams, our, our team takes pride in that. I think um, they take pride in their balance and really making the right play. And, you know, when, when you're unselfish and the biggest thing for us is, you know, if everybody's spaced and we make quick decisions and are, and are willing to move the ball, you know, we've got a number of guys that can do just what you said and, and really impact the game in a significant way on the offensive end.
5: There you go. Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder, as uh, his team beat the Grizzlies 111-107. to 107. Let's now hear from some of the players. Let's start things off with Mike Conley. Hey, Mike. Good to see you. We'll get started with Sarah Todd, Desert News. All right.
4: Hey, Mike. Before we get to the, the game, I wanted to kind of get your perspective on what happened on yesterday's flight and uh, how the last 24 hours have been
9: um here yeah, what happened on yesterday's flight for a good for a good 10 15 minutes I think all of us on that flight were questioning if we were gonna you know be here today you know so that was that's how serious it was for us and um you know I can't speak for everybody but I know that you know guys were text trying to text family and you know just uh, just in case you know it was that kind of situation and we're, th- we're just thrilled and thankful for the pilots and the staff and what they were able to do to get us back home safely. And um, I think a lot of us were shook up, obviously. You know, you don't just go, you know, go through something like that and get back on a plane and head to go, you know, play a game again. So put, put perspective on life for all of us. And like I said, we're just all thankful to be here and um, doing what we love to do.
6: Next, we'll go Tony Jones, The Athletic.
2: Um, you know, kind of piggybacking off of Sarah's question, you know, how good a win is this for you guys, uh, for you to come in and play like this under those kind of adverse circumstances? I know you got into Memphis really late and, you know, and, and beating a team three times on a week can't be easy.
9: Well, I think it just, it's, it's a great win. It says a lot about, you know, our character, our resiliency as a team. Um, obviously without Donovan as well, we knew we were going to, you know, it was going to be a tough night for us against a a young team that competes and plays, you know, as hard as any team in the league. And you don't beat a team three times in in a, you know, in a matter of a week, uh, very often. So, uh, for us to come out, you know, given the circumstances, you know, we didn't make any excuses. We just went out there and played our ball and, um, and, and competed uh, as best we could. and, And luckily we were able to get the win.
6: Andy Larson, Salt
7: Lake Tribune.
0: I like you told the broadcast that maybe more, it felt like it was maybe even a bigger deal than what's been reported. And the, the plane or the plane incident, um, kind of what happened, can you kind of tell us what happened in those minutes that you describe and kind of, you know, why, why you guys were as nervous as you were, because, you know, it, it we saw the photos, what happened to the plane and it, it is pretty crazy.
9: Well, yeah. Uh, well, for the group of us, yeah, I think it was me, JC, uh, Joe and, Mie favors. Like we're all kind of right there in between both wings of the plane. And, uh, and all of a sudden it felt like there was an explosion. Uh, like literally that's what it sounded like for most people on the plane, like something like we hit something big and the plane immediately started to bounce and then just started tilting to the left. And people in the back of the plane said they saw flames and, you know, people in the front obviously didn't know what was going on. And like, immediately like altitude started to drop a little bit and and we started like like looking down and like wondering what what just happened and like nobody knows everybody's just quiet you know we're just in shock and and it took uh you know the pilots you know probably five to ten minutes probably about ten minutes to go through everything you know go through their checks and kind of get back to us and let us know what was going on because it was obvious that uh something was really wrong with the plane it felt like the plane was like breaking apart in midair so for us we you know for like i said for five ten minutes you know it felt like just just complete helplessness so um you know we we're we're thankful it wasn't as, as serious as as it, it it could have been, um, but it was it was scary.
5: There's Mike Conley uh, describing his uh, you know his situation uh, on the plane and on the trip out there. It's really all they uh, were were able to uh, they really all they discussed. And Mike had a great great game. I uh, hope that doesn't get lost in all the all the the talk about what happened on the way out to the game. He had 26 points, seven assists. Let's now hear from Jordan Clarkson. Hey Jordan, good to
6: see you. We'll get started with Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com.
0: Jordan, after everything that happened uh, yesterday with the plane, is it good to be back at work? Is that kind of your mindset, or do you felt did you feel like you could have liked some more time off?
6: Uh, um, I mean, I kind of just wanted to get on another flight immediately, trying to get over that like scare. Like I don't, I don't know what was reported yesterday in terms of like uh, it was just like a little emergency landing or something like that. But I feel like a lot of people on that plane. Uh, it was like one of those flights where you were sending out texts. I know you seen on the movies when the plane about to crash or something. It was, it, it got to that point where we was all on the plane like, yo, this might be really the end. Um, so I mean, it was a, a crazy situation. Um, I understand fully while, uh, you know, Don didn't uh, come because, I mean, all of us were just like kind of like out of there and then in like limbo, like, whoa, what, what just happened? It's just like real life. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely something that, you know, you kind of got to, you know, push through and um, get over it. But it's just uh, that's just a tough situation. I mean, I don't think that's happened many times. Uh, on a plane ride. I've talked to, uh, many of my friends that are in the league and they said, uh, like that, that's the biggest fear. <laughs> and for that to happen, um, you know, I, I understand, uh, everybody's, uh, point and, you know, perspective on that thing as well. So, uh I mean, it is what it is. You know, you take your time off everybody. So, uh You know, you just got to figure out a way to uh, push through that and uh, keep going. Next up, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Jordan, can you kind of
8: recall some of the details of, of what you remember happening, you know, as this, as this occurred and just kind of, you know, what the emotions were as, as the situation was unfolding? You know, so many guys have been talking about how, you know, it was so sudden and, and you know, uh, how you were, there was confusion and, and it took a while for the crew to kind of just figure out what was going on. So what, what was going through your mind during that time? Um,
6: So where I sit on the plane is where I could see, uh, you know, the engine and everything. Uh, I happened to be being a bad kid and uh, kind of getting up and grabbing something out of my bag while we was taking off. Um, and, you know, I just remember walking back to my seat and as I got to my seat, I just hear a loud bang. And me and Mike looked at each other and he was like, oh, those that was, those are the birds. I guess Mike seen the birds passing through the window and then seen it as it was happening. So all I heard was a bang. And then I turned and looked out the window and see the whole like engine shaking and everything. And then you see everybody in the back kind of like, you know, reacting to what's going on. And you know, a lot of the people in the back that were sitting like, you know, behind the engine and stuff like that, they seen a burst of flames. So immediately they're probably thinking like the plane is fully caught on fire. And I see everybody kind of reacting towards that. Um, And then just recalling that whole situation was pretty crazy. The whole plane just started shaking. It was just, uh, it's definitely uh, something that, You know, experience that I'm happy that you know we we able to tell because, like I said, a lot of us really uh you know came to like a a point at least 30 seconds in that flight, everybody came to the point where it was like, man, this might be this might be over for us, and um, you know it's sad to say that, and and, you know I don't play with death or any anything like that, Um, and uh, it's just something that. You know, we got to push through and come together and, uh, you know, keep going, uh, stay strong, support each other, whatever. How, how much time we got to take off or whatever, you know, talking to, you know, our mental health people or whatever it is. Uh, you know, this is, that's a serious situation uh, if you've never been faced with, um, you know, life and death, stuff like that. So, uh, you know, respect to everybody that's, uh, you know, gone, gone through this situation on, on this plane.
5: Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Jordan, we were told that, you
4: know, there was that five to ten minutes before the crew was able to, the pilots of the crew were able to tell you guys anything. Once they, once they did tell you something, what were they able to say to you? And then did that kind of calm you guys? Like, okay, we're going to be able to make it back to the ground?
6: Yeah, that was probably the most uh, common part. You know, the flight attendants were, uh, flight attendants and the uh, pilots were very calm when they got on the intercon, uh, basically telling us what happened. Uh, saying we lost the engine, um, you know we gonna we gonna be able to land somewhere, and uh, well, they were saying they was gonna turn around, turn the play around. So um, that definitely was a, a comforting thing. But we were all looking out the window like, man, just land this, <laughs> just land anywhere. We don't care. We can check everything else later. Once we get on the ground, just please just put this plane on the ground and just let us let us live and and get get past this. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely a common uh common kind of thing once the pilot got on there he was super calm and uh, you know let us know what's going on and uh, you know we got bound to the ground uh, shout out to them for you know landing getting it back safe and uh, all that
5: There's Jordan Clarkson describing his experience uh, on the plane as the Jazz were forced to come back and then uh, eventually fly out, make it to Memphis, and come away with a win. And given the circumstances, really big win uh, for the Utah Jazz. No Donovan Donovan Mitchell, a traumatic experience on the way out there. Still were able to focus and come away with a win over a good team, uh, 111-107 over the Memphis Grizzlies. Coming up next, more DJ and PK right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. As Jake just mentioned, coming up next, more from DJ and PK. We'll get to what's trending. PK
0: will join us. We'll recap everything that happened in sports yesterday and throughout last night. And, of course, throughout the rest of the morning, we'll have plenty of talk about the Utah Jazz. Joe Ingles scheduled to join us in the 8 o'clock hour. Craig Bullerjack in the 9 o'clock hour. So, plenty more. So, stay with us. What is trending coming up next right here on the Zone Sports Network.